All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation. Could be business, could be personal, doesn't matter. It requires you to all create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood. And the people that get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us, they're not just salespeople. They don't have the word sales in their job title. There are great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. And I'm going to share their stories here. You know, it could be nurses, it could be HR people, it could be event managers. All these people have human skills that we can tap into that we can all learn from. So I want to help you learn from their human skills. And ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. So, all right. I am so excited today, everybody. I have somebody on the podcast that I met just recently, just a few months back from a conference, and I was drawn to her out of all the people that I had met just in how much of a great human being she is and how great of a connector, I'm going to use that word for her, that she is. She is someone who owns her own executive coaching business. She's a business coach for realtors and uh, real estate lenders. She's born in Shreveport, Louisiana, total Orlando girl, and she is on a journey to help people to be empowerful, and I'll let her explain what that is. So without further ado, I want to welcome Leslie Miserak to the podcast. Welcome, oh. Leslie. Woo. So excited to be here. Thank you. This is fun. I'm excited. <laughs> I did a drum roll pretty late, but anyways. All right. What's going on, Leslie? My gosh, so much is going on. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's the understatement. That's a great first question. That wasn't even my first question, but maybe that is a great first question. There's so much going on. There's nothing going on all at the same time. It's very interesting. Obviously, we're in the middle of this COVID-19 virus pandemic. And you know, I'm in Orlando. We just found out Orlando is going to be basically shut down tomorrow for mm. the next two weeks. And, you know, I thought this is the opportunity to be blue about it and woe is me or make some great things happen. And I'm super excited about making things happen through connecting with others. Yeah, totally. I think a ton of opportunity can happen in this really tough time. I think it kind of shines a spotlight on, I mean, you want to be a connector at all times, but people realize how important it is because everybody's really in this together. They're all going through something. And then when you can connect with someone, people will always remember that because this is something that no one's seen in their lifetime. I mean, my mm -hmm. mom's, you know, 72, I believe, and she's never seen anything like this in her lifetime. And maybe mm -hmm. you won't see anything for another lifetime like this ever. So yeah, the stuff you do now sticks with people a long time, right? I think. It does. It really does. I got a call from somebody I hadn't heard from in, gosh, a year. And I got a call from them yesterday. And to me, it was like one of those moments that's like, wow, how great that felt just to hear from somebody else. So I'm hoping when I'm doing that to others, that they're having that feeling as well, that connection opportunity is interesting. And this tells you how powerful this whole virus thing is and not to kind of go down the virus path too much, but it's eye-opening around the human nature and, and dealing with people. You know, 360 plus Waffle Houses have announced their closing and they like a hurricane's really bad or a storm's really bad or or something that's like the bellwether I'm like holy moly <laughs> but, 
where will college students go at two in the morning? I don't know. <laughs> learn how to make eggs, I guess. I don't know. All okay. right. Yeah, awesome. I really wanted to bring you on because, you know, if I haven't lost people, this is the third one. If I haven't lost salespeople by now, you know, <laughs> they're not my audience. But the great part about this is everybody in all walks of life are doing things where they can really get people to listen and, and get drawn into them. And that's what I think selling, it's not trying to necessarily get, you know, something for exchanging of dollars or exchanging of some money. It's sometimes just getting people to really want to listen to you and, you know, being your unique self and really understanding people. Someone put something on LinkedIn the other day about, you know, you shouldn't have like, you know, a sales strategy or pitching strategy. You should have an understanding strategy. I love um, that. Yeah. And I thought of you too when, when I heard that because just a little quick background, how I met. So I met, you know, kind of just connecting with connections. You know, I met a connection at a sales conference, Dale Dupree, really awesome guy that we'll you know have on the podcast at some point. And he had his own event in Orlando. And it was just kind of a networking event, business networking, and just kind of bringing up some awesome speakers to just learn from. And you were one of them. And, you know, I met a bunch of people at that event. And there were a, a bunch that I talked to still to this day, months later, but definitely you were one that, you know, you could kind of, you could see that you're genuinely trying to like really get to know like who I was all about, where I came from, how you could help me afterwards. We had some connections in HR and then, yeah, I realized you did the Disrupt HR, which is an awesome event, five minute talks of just awesome, engaging HR content. And here we are. And then actually we spoke at a recent one. And that was the last probably conference of any conference of 2020, I want to say, because a couple of days later, the world shut down, right? <laughs> it was that, that night afterwards, I went out with my mom. We went to get a late dinner after Disrupt. And that's when they said, announce the pandemic. And this was all really happening. And it's like, wow, when the NBA was going to stop playing for the season. And yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah, it was great. It was a pleasure to meet you at that rebellion rally and really get to know you. It's been amazing for me. Yeah. No, thanks. Well, I'll get into it. So you do executive coaching. So I imagine when you're working with executives and coming from an HR background, you're trying to coach them up on their business or you're trying to help them with strategy or just listen, kind of you know, uh, mirror on maybe what their business is all about. What approaches do you take when, you know, somebody that's a CEO, I imagine, probably feels like, you know, they know a lot and you can't really, you know, you're not going to, you know, change their entire business strategy, maybe. What approaches do you use when you're convincing CEOs and executives to go on a different path? Mm, that's a really great question. And I will tell you, let me just start off with not everybody's coachable. <laughs> Even the ones that reach out to you for coaching? Well, the ones that reach out for coaching are usually quite coachable. The ones okay. that are told they need a coach. Ah, very different. May not be coachable. <laughs> not always the case, but it happens occasionally. So first of all, someone's got to be coachable. They've got to want to change, to grow, to be more effective. They've got to want something out of this experience. So that's the first piece. If they don't want it, they're told to do it, and they don't feel like they need to change or grow, then it's probably not going to work. So what I do is, you know, it's all about developing the relationship first. There has to be some trust built pretty much from the beginning that, first of all, what we talk about stays between that person and myself, unless there's safety in play. 
you know, I'm concerned about their safety or safety of others. And they have to have a desire. They have to have a desire to grow into something else. And I said the word change earlier, and it's not about changing who you are. It might be about changing how you connect, how you communicate, how you put yourself out there, how you ask good questions, etc. So understanding, you know, what coaching is, is really important for them. And for us to have a relationship that is built on trust and open conversation, because it's the open conversation that helps them to grow and change. So I have to ask, you know, what are their goals? What do they want to achieve? Typically, the leaders that I work with are already effective in their job. They're, they know what they're doing. They don't need to be taught their job. They want to be seen as the leader that is a go-to person where people will go to them to make things happen. Yeah, absolutely. What qualities do you think, I mean, because I'm really interested in what makes people you know, a go-to person or people that, I mean, if I'm somebody in business and just in any, any walk of the corporate landscape in my life, I'm kind of, you know, wondering, okay, well, how do people listen to my ideas or how do I get heard? What is a go-to person? Like this is such a broad or loaded term. Like, I guess the question would be, what do you define as a person that's a go-to person? And then what do you think are their traits that make up somebody that's somebody that people reach out to for information or drawn to? For me, just based on my style, it pretty much comes down to authenticity. Mm. I think they've got to be real. And, you know, we've all seen people out there in the world that are faking it till they make it. And sometimes we have to act as if we are that expert or we are that we know what we're talking about. But I think someone who's authentic is really important for me and they want to make an honest connection. And you can tell when somebody wants to connect with you and they just want the business versus somebody wanting to connect with you for who you are as a person. Mm, That's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I think about that, it comes down to the fact that they've probably asked good questions, which is what coaching is quite often about. They've asked good questions. They've listened to the answer, but actually heard the answer instead of hearing what they think they've heard or they wanted to hear. And you can tell when someone hears what they don't want to hear. If they're not really genuine, they're going to shut down. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen uh, that before? Yes. I mean, have you been to any networking event? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think it's a struggle for people. Like I I think there's a lot of good people out there genuinely like they're good people and they want to meet people and they have agendas. I mean, we all have wants and needs. I mean, we're, you know, if you're even working for a company or in business for yourself, I mean, you're going a lot of times to networking events, maybe for selfish reasons, because you want to try to grow your business or you want to grow your influence or network or whatever. And you want to try to look for where's that opening that I can you know, see something, some way to work together, or they can help me in some way. But, you know, I think it's sometimes hard for people just to kind of just genuinely, like, just be like, I just want to meet people, Mm -hmm. not even think about what I'm going to get out of it. You know, salespeople, especially like if you're, you're going to spend an hour at a networking event, I, I'd probably even say in early on in my sales career, like I would go to networking events, like just looking at name tags and, you know, company names and who have I not worked with and try to target them. Mm-hmm. But then I just realized like if sometimes I would just find the best connections just randomly like just talking to somebody and not even thinking about it who they were and then I later found out they were like a VP of 
so-and-so and we had this great conversation and it would have been much different. I was like, Oh, I would have maybe taken the conversation in a different direction. So mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, why do you think people struggle with, you know, kind of not going personal instead of kind of what they want, you know, trying to look at the person instead of the opportunity. Mm. That might be something for a psychologist to answer. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go that deep. Yeah. I think it probably depends on the person. Some people feel like their only measure of success is winning the deal, Mm. making Mm. money, getting the award, getting the prize. Mm-hmm. whereas other people feel like the success is maybe how they feel, the people they've impacted in their world. You know, the good salespeople, let me just preface that for a moment because I think every one of us is sales, is in sales. And I do a lot of HR speaking, and I almost always ask the question, who in this room is in sales? And <laughs> almost nobody the, you know, raises their hand. It's like, let me just back up for a moment. Every one of you is in sales. If yeah. you are in any piece of any business, you are in sales, whether it's HR, whether it's operations, whether it's the legal team, you are out there selling your business in the way that you behave, the way you talk about it, etc. So, but going back to HR people, every one of them is in sales. Doesn't matter what part of the HR space, especially the talent acquisition team, they are there. Yeah, they are there to try and bring the best people into their organization. And I often, they forget that, which is what makes me sad around ghosting and all the things that HR people might do. And there's plenty of recruits that do ghosting and all of that as well. But those talent acquisition folks that are really the top of their game, they don't ghost. They make sure they keep people they're communicating with at all levels, even when they're turning down someone for a role. Yeah. Because you never know if that person's going to know someone that could be a better fit for that role, right? Yeah. Or if they're, you know, a no today doesn't mean a no ever, forever, for a lifetime. It's just time. You know, salespeople know that. Okay, no just means no right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, right? I mean, let's keep up the conversation. And then, you know, if the time is right, it could just be timing. So true. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I think there we can have a whole conversation on this, but I'll just (laughs) say that, I mean, the whole profession can get better at the relationships with the silver and bronze medalists, even Mm -hmm. the, you know, the fifth place person at Mm -hmm. a really great company is probably an amazing person, you know, that didn't even make it to the interview round especially if you're a really great company because you're attracting really great people. So I want to know those people throughout. I mean, five years from now, I'm at another company and they're looking, I want to talk Mm -hmm. to them. Yeah. I got a job several years back. I was actually doing real estate training and recruiting work for an organization here in Orlando, gosh, back in the early 2000s before the crash happened. And I got an opportunity to apply for a job at a multifamily housing opportunity. And it was going to be doing some training and then taking on leadership training. Well, I didn't get the job Mm. and, you know, didn't find out why. Never really found out why. But about three or four weeks later, I get this call. I said, Leslie, are you still interested in the job? I was the number two position and the number one person started and immediately it did not work. And so, you know, no doesn't mean no forever. It might just be no right now. I like that. Yeah, that's funny. Well, I mean, this is anything. So when you're working with HR leaders, your you know, executives, or even you know, some of the realtors and lenders you're working with, 
you're, I think, in networking, I mean, I think what I know you're good at, but I'd like to hear from you. What do you think you yourself tap into, your human skills or call it soft skills? What do you tap into when you're, you know, genuinely trying to connect with someone? What do you think your strengths are there? I think my strengths are listening. Okay. I think that is my superpower, so to speak. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask it that way, but you just, you know, said it that way. Yeah. I think that's my superpower is listening and it's not perfect. I still work on it all the time, but it's listening to hear what's being said, but also what's not being said. And to me, that active listening is so, is such a empowerful skill for leaders, for salespeople everywhere, for HR people, no matter what the role is, I think that real listening skill is wonderful. And then, but you have to do something with that listening. If someone has said something, you've picked up on something, active listening is not just about shutting your mouth. It can be about asking good questions at that point and following up. You know, have you ever had somebody say yes, but their head shaking no? <laughs> or they've said no, but their head shaking yes? Or there's, there's weird hesitation or a big sigh or something like that. You're paying attention to what's happening around that conversation where you can say, tell me about that sigh I just saw. What do I need to know from that? Or you told me yes, but your head's shaking no. Tell me a little bit more there. Yeah, yeah. And there's some quote, like I heard one, something like, you know, your employees won't always tell you they're upset or frustrated, but they will show you or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> active listening, like, but also active watching, right? Paying attention. <laughs> paying attention. But I like what you said, like doing something about it. Yeah. Cause sometimes like, you know, even in sales and, and appointments and stuff like that might be on an appointment, but where I, I've even seen this with reps, like I've been coaching them up and they'll, you know, they'll hear something and say, Oh yeah, they said that, or they didn't do that, but then they just let it go. They just kind of mm-hmm. like didn't respond to it in the moment. And, you know, knowing how to pick up and then just not being afraid to, like you said, just kind of it's not really calling them out, but just saying, hey, I sense that, or hey, I'm getting the feeling that you're telling me that this, am I wrong? Like, I'm getting the feeling that you're doing something by this way. Tell me I'm wrong. Or tell me if, you know, that I'm wrong, that I'm feeling this way. Can you, I'm you know, missing can you, something. Am yeah. I missing something? That's like, you know, what am I missing? Does that make sense? That sort of thing. Yeah, so it's really, I think it comes down to listening. And that is such a skill that many of us are not great at. And like I said, I still work on it. Yeah. You can ask my husband. I form. I missed, I missed up all the time with him, you know. Oh <laughs> and, you know, sometimes you're too, you're so close to someone. It's very easy to miss because you're used to a routine. But just being mindful around where they're at, what their needs are. And then that follow through really starts to build that longer term relationship. You talked about, you know, going to networking events. I bought the rights to Orlando for Disrupt HR, not because I wanted to build my business. We had moved back from Houston and, you know, I didn't have a real, I didn't have a community anymore, an HR community. We'd been gone about five years and, you know, I still had friends, but I just didn't have that community that I was connected to. And started that. And that has been so much fun. I don't do it to build business. Occasionally business happens out of it, but that's not my goal. There's something about the people connection, people having fun, people learning, people watching people in the room meet each other and the laughter, the follow through that happens, the connections on LinkedIn. To me, it's a blast to be able to see that human connection and watch it really blossom. 
Yeah, I can attest because <laughs> being there, it's an electric event. Any of you that don't know about Disrupt HR, it's, it's like TED for HR, but with a whole lot of flair. <laughs> I think a whole lot Mark's of flair. Yeah, you know, and all the speakers are engaging. And yeah, everyone's like, it's not like people just like walking around and there's a couple like little side conversations and people are eating everyone is talking like people are talking during the speeches it was almost like you know hey listen to the speeches they're really good but like people just want to keep talking i think people don't always consider the power of community building communities not for themselves not not to like grow their brand like you said like their business mm-hmm. to try to close something it's literally just to watch you know connections happen and what you get out of that like yeah you talked a little bit about it but what does it do for you when you see those connections happen? How does it help you not business related, like personally? Yeah, it, it helps me personally know that we're supporting a movement of people creating connection, yeah. making friendships, supporting each other, connecting the dots. You know, even the follow up after an event, it's really interesting to see how people will get back on LinkedIn and will connect with each other and you see the conversations going back and forth. <laughs> and I've actually heard stories of people getting jobs, people getting sales that happen because they've connected one person to another. Maybe they didn't have that opportunity, but they knew somebody that had that need. Yeah. That's to me what this is all about. Community is so powerful and you know, we're human. We thrive in that space, whether we're introverted or not, we, all need some level of community. If we've got our psychological state is in a good place, we need community. That's what we are as humans. I totally agree. I think, yeah, you know, giving anybody any advice, I never realized how strong it was, you know, until like being part of a really vibrant one and then and trying to, you know, kind of start one. And it's not, you know, yeah, like some people are like, you know, I got to get like, I want to start a community for me or you know, because it will help my business. But if you just genuinely, you know, the sales success community I joined, it was just to really learn, but I didn't realize how powerful it could be. I mean, when people are literally committed to the community, mm-hmm. to helping everyone else and everyone's just selfless about it. So try to find a community, maybe even try to, you know, build your own. If you have something great to say, you have something insightful for others it works both ways. Cause yeah, I think as humans, we want to be part of something. We want to feel like some commonality with other people and it's not business. Yeah. It's a truly human thing about trying to it find connections. It's a really human thing. I've got a story I want to share if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. I was working with a gentleman who was on a team. He was a mid-level leader on a team and he just wasn't connecting with his teammates, you know, so much so that he would go in and do his work, leave for lunch by himself, leave at the end of the day by himself. There was just no connection. And so we worked for, gosh, several months on things like his emotional intelligence. He had some very good emotional intelligence skills, but his interpersonal relationship skills were very diminished. And possibly because he's actually very personable, possibly because of where he was in his organization, where he was on his team, how he was feeling about all this, did a lot of work. And I started challenging him to figure out how he can connect with the teammates, his peers in his organization, and come to find out that 
through weeks and weeks of work, you know, challenging him to do something every day, that there was this commonality around sports with his team and had nothing to do with the work they were doing, the type of work they were doing, their backgrounds or anything. This group came together over sports. So every day, you know, instead of just saying hi and everybody walking to their cube or their office, they would talk about the game the night before, the whatever football was on on the weekend, the NBA playoff. It just ended up kind of really morphing into something to where they, he had been, was able to start to create a community and change the way he felt about the work he was doing, how he was communicating with his people. He eventually started having lunch with his people instead of going off-site every day by himself to get, a, get away from everyone. And it was very powerful to see him grow. He just had to find that common space because he couldn't find it. He was having a difficult time finding it by himself. So then he had secluded himself, which was not making him effective as a leader, both for his team, but also, you know, being seen as a leader with his peers. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's just like little things like that. You could think like you're a really outgoing person or you're friendly, you're nice, you're not mean, you're not a you know bad person, but you don't have like connections unless you like seek them out. You actually seek out the commonality, what we can relate to, like stories, you know, something that the greater group, you know, it's not like, you know, when you're telling me that story, that's somebody that I don't think like didn't assimilate or anything. He actually just was curious and he found something that, you know, that everybody was talking about that he could find some joy and contribute to. And, mm-hmm. and he actually set out to look for it instead of going, Oh, well, they're not getting me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it must be something about me or maybe they just don't like me or something. Yeah. It comes down to the fact that he had a desire and that's where that coachability comes from to really figure out how to interact, connect, be more effective and build that sense of community at work. Because when we are in the workplace, you know, in a non-virus environment, you know, we're there 8, 10, 12 hours a day. That is, you know, a huge chunk of our lives. And most of us want to have some sort of feeling of, I want to go to work. You know, they want to go to work. They want to have that camaraderie with others, that connection. There's always people who are introverts and don't want that. They want something different, but you have to know what that is. You have to be able to find that. You know, I've always tried to look for some of that because I tried to get out of what I was like, you know, sometimes you're just, you know, laser focused. If, if you're selling something or you're just, you know, you're kind of, you're pitching an idea or you're trying to convince something of something, whatever it is, you're laser focused on that thing, whatever it is, you just latch onto that so much without thinking just genuinely about like the person and how can we have like take that off the table and how do we have like a different connection beyond that? Because if we could connect beyond that, then whatever the thing is, is just, you know, they might be much more open and willing to share more and be a lot more, you know, develop, like you said in that beginning, that trust that, you know, needs to be there because they're like, oh, wow, this person actually is seeing me. They're caring. They're trying with me as a person. So I'm going to try for them. I'm going to, you know, give them even mm-hmm. a fraction of what they're giving me, you know, because they want to, you know, give it you know, just, they just, you know, it feels good to them that, you know, when they're around you, so they want to kind of reciprocate. Without a doubt. See, it happened many, many times. And something we talked about earlier that just because the person you're talking with isn't going to buy what it is you're selling. And I say buy in air quotes. I realize yeah, I'm yeah. on a podcast and nobody can yeah. see my air quotes. And, you know, it doesn't matter what the job is, whether you actually have a physical 
tool or product or service to sell, if they're not buying it, that doesn't mean they won't help you connect with someone else that is buying, does need what you're selling at the moment. Totally. Whether it's yeah. a job, whether it's a service, whether it's a product, whether it's an idea. Yeah. Movement, yeah, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, there's value in everyone, value in everyone in some way and just kind of treat them as that, like it's not, you know, as something for you, it's, you know, for them, you know, leading for them actually might turn around and make it for you, Right. you know, in the end. It, it happens all the time and it's, it can be really, really powerful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, I always love talking to you. I want to kind of, you know, give people, you know, some things to walk away with, like if they're you know, they're not in sales. They're, you know, kind of like thinking, I don't know, like you said, those HR people that did not raise their hand, I'm not in sales. You know, what are some things you think people could, you know, start practicing, you know, or just start, you know, trying to do if they want to try to look at becoming better at you know, persuading, convincing, influencing others? Ask questions and listen. Two yeah. very simple things. Ask questions you know, the technical term might be doing a needs analysis, but ask questions. What do people need? What are they looking for? What are they looking to achieve? What are their goals? What are their objectives? Whatever words you want to use, ask the questions on what it is they need. And then the second piece of that becomes listen to what they've actually said. And listening by asking more questions, digging into what they've said, how they've said it, and making sure that you've got clarity. And then the third piece becomes do something with it. So for example, I got, I did a webinar yesterday and somebody on there had a question or had a need that I followed up with and was able to connect them over to somebody else. I didn't have the answer, but I knew somebody that did. So little things like that go a long way in people's memory bank. They're going to circle back to you when there's a need for them specifically, or there's going to, they're going to recommend you when they know somebody has a particular need. Yeah, yeah. What about the like, you know, maybe professional salesperson? Like I know you work with realtors, like they've been in sales for 10 or 15 years, or maybe just, you know, B2B corporate sales. They know their sales technique down pat. They know, you know, questions, asking the right questions. How could they be better with like, you know, connecting with humans and just happen? What soft skills or human skills? I, you know, you mentioned listening, obviously that's one. Yeah. What do you think those people can do to maybe realize that they don't know it all when it comes to uh, realizing they don't know it real, all. Yeah, realizing uh, <laughs> that is very key. That is yeah. that's hard to break. Yeah. Realizing they don't know it all and, and having that willingness to grow. There's a couple of different things. First of all, I always always probably take people in the sales space to look at their emotional intelligence. How aware are they of themselves? Mm. How aware are they of how their emotions are displaying to others? What does their interpersonal category look like? Are they connecting with people? How are they dealing with stress? How do they deal and behave with a no? And some, when they get a no from someone, I have seen salespeople get angry, pout, misbehave when they've gotten a no. Yeah. And that person is going to get a no from everybody else. I mean, they're never going to get a yes when they behave like that. You know, the opportunity becomes understanding how you manage your emotions can be really huge in the sales space. It's mm -hmm. huge in the leadership space. It's incredibly huge in the emotional intelligence space. And I had something else I was going to say, and I totally lost track of what it was. So I'll just stick with the emotional intelligence piece. It is incredibly powerful to be able to use those sets of skills because even a small 
facial expression because you didn't get the answer you wanted can disconnect you from someone else. Yeah. Everyone says, yeah, you know, I, I want to grow. I have a growth mindset and I want to always learn. I'm willing to take feedback. But when you actually get it though, I mean, you know, especially from someone that doesn't have your same experience and it's coming from someone, you know, that's not a salesperson, let's say, you know, one of your clients or someone, <laughs> your spouse, <laughs> I'll raise my hand and say, I've gotten in fights because I'm like, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years where you can't tell, tell me how to network. But when you said, you know, just be willing to get feedback and realize how you appear to others, how do others perceive you? I mean, you know, because that is so different how we perceive ourselves and how others perceive us. So I still work on it. Like, how do you seek that out in others and get them to genuinely tell you? Because people don't want to tell you bad things about you. So yeah, I don't know if you have any advice on how do you try to ask others to tell you the truth about you. And, and I think you can do it the- pretty simply and usually pretty effectively. It's like, you know, Alex, I would really like to be more effective as your coach. What can I do to be more effective? What can I do to be more empowering to you? What questions can I ask? What am I missing? So asking some simple questions instead of saying, give me some feedback. What can I do to be more effective? Yeah, be specific. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But then the key piece for that, the question itself is really simple. The key piece becomes listening to what somebody has said, (laughs) acting upon it, and then telling the person that gave you the feedback what you're going to be doing to make changes going forward. Because if you just take what they've said and you either don't follow up with them, you don't use it, et cetera, they're never going to give you any feedback again, either developmental or positive. Because people want to know that they've been heard. If somebody gives me some feedback that I can't really use because they don't understand the scenario in which I'm working, I have that opportunity to go back to them and say, Alex, thank you for that feedback. I want to tell you this is a scenario in which I work and I'm not going to be able to use that particular feedback, but I have taken it. I appreciate it. And I hope you'll continue to give me feedback as we go. Yeah. I love all that stuff. I mean, I was hearing Adam Grant talking on a podcast, you know, organizational psychologist, teacher, extraordinaire. He was just talking about how he seeks out like a challenge network and of people and he tells them like, I know that, you know, feedback is tough. And sometimes like, you know, I want you to challenge me. Like, even if you think I'm great, like, you know, poke holes in my argument. I know that I need it. I know that it's, you know, going to be hard sometimes to hear, but I value you for it. And, you know, whatever you say, I actually will do something about Mm -hmm. it. I actually will hear it. I actually will internalize it. Yeah. Think about it strategically and a lot of times implement it, but at least, you know, like you said, the person has heard, I think that key piece, like you said, you know, you, you follow up and say, Hey, thank you for this feedback. I'm going to you know, do X, Y, Z with it, or I'm not going to do X, Y, Z, but I appreciate it. And, and I want and you to continue. Why. This right. is why, this is why. Yes. But I still want to keep on getting it from you. If you're, you know, if you, you know, yeah. do that for me. Yeah, awesome. you know, there, there was a book, I, I think it was called think of a something like think of a complaint as a gift, basically a customer satisfaction book. Yeah. And you know, the same thing with feedback, that critical, yes, we want to hear positive feedback. We want to know what we're doing well, but we grow by learning the things that we can be more effective at. For sure. And, you know, that's how customer service teams grow and, and learn in all sorts of organizations by hearing the complaint, figuring out what it is, how to make the changes, et cetera. 
Oh my goodness. Leslie, you are, you know, giving me so many good quotes. I can't, you know, write them down fast enough. I want to kind of wrap up and kind of close with something fun because I think we're all unique humans and, you know, sales is an art form and we all are different in how we approach it. So I want to kind of know something about you that makes you uniquely you. And, you know, I think it may even, (laughs) doesn't even have to be sales related, but I think it could be based on how well great of a human you are. I want to ask you just something crazy about you. So if you could think of a story about yourself, that something that has happened to you that could or would only happen to you. And this is something maybe just a ridiculous thing that happened to you one time or, you know, a situation you were put in that, you know, you just think this can only happen to me. Can you think of something like that? I'm trying to think of one. Would falling off a stage when giving a presentation? Yeah, that would absolutely, that would totally be a contender. I think that would be a winner. Yeah, I've done that. I think probably many, not to say many good speakers, classifying myself. I'm not that great of a speaker, I don't think. I think there's a lot better. Sell yourself short. Leslie is selling herself short right now, everyone. Many speakers have fallen off stages. I'm going to tell you just a quick story about myself that I don't know that it relates to anything in the business world, but it kind of lets you know who I've turned into. Several years ago, my husband came home with this. He's an aircraft mechanic, but he also loves to tinker with vehicles. And he came home with this old Jeep Wrangler several years back and get that thing out of my driveway. It's going to drive my property values down. You know, (laughs) I gave him total hack for this Jeep in the driveway. And he's like, okay, come on, just go for a ride with me in it. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. We went for a ride. We pulled back in the driveway. I said, okay, you get out. I want to drive now. At that point, I've become a Jeep convert. I am a Jeep girl through and through. No. And to me, there's two great days when I'm helping somebody grow or when I'm in a Jeep ride with the top off the Jeep and the hair going all different directions. So there's something very peaceful and powerful with the wind just blowing through your hair and just being able to think and sing out loud where people can't hear you because there's too much wind. So very simply put, those are kind of my two passions. Those are my two stories about me. I love it. I need to see a picture of this Jeep. I'm picturing like <laughs> stickers all over it and real laid back. And I just want to see you now in this Jeep I, with your shades have, on and driving down I-4 or something. Or And we stay off I-4. Let me just yeah, tell you. No, yeah, it's crazy. That's a crazy road, everyone. Don't ever try on that road. Straight over to the, on the beach line to Cocoa as much there as possible. Go. So there I'll have go. to let you know when we're coming over Tampa Way. That's awesome. You'll have to let me know. This is so awesome. I love that story. Thank you so much, Leslie. I am beyond grateful for you coming on. And folks, Leslie, like she said, is one of everyone in the workforce that is in sales, even though her specific job title might say it. She absolutely believes it and believes we all are. And I'm just so thankful I met you, Leslie. And thank you for being on this podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. I feel so blessed to have met you and we'll continue working together and talking and connecting and disrupting and getting into whatever kind of trouble we can. (laughs) I have no doubt. I have no doubt. All right. Thank you so much, Leslie. Take care. (laughs) All right. bye. Bye. Hey gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, 
I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right, see you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Humans.